Welcome to The Real Estate Lens. I'm your host, Ryan Richards. I'm a residential mortgage loan officer based in Massachusetts. We're licensed all throughout New England. Today I have a special guest, Brooke Bucket, who's a realtor at Remax located down Rhode Island, and she's going to bring us the latest on the Rhode Island market. So, Brooke, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Do you mind starting by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into real estate and where you are today? Sure. So my name is Brooke Bucket. I'm a realtor at Remax River's Edge. I specialize in residential sales and leases in Rhode Island and Southeast Massachusetts. So I've lived in Rhode Island my whole life. I'm a native to the East Bay, which is Barrington, Bristol, Warren area. Absolutely love Rhode Island. We have a fabulous food scene, which I'm a huge foodie, so that's amazing. Um, there's coast, there's coastline, obviously, basically throughout the whole state. Easy access to the beach within 30 minutes from any point, which I absolutely love. We have fabulous Providence, which is thriving. I think that it rivals Boston, if I'm honest, in a much smaller scale. But nevertheless, we have a lot happening there. Great art scene. We have RISD there, which is Rhode Island School of Design. So like I said, the art scene's really thriving there. Great food scene downtown. Lots happening. So if you're interested in a fun place to check out, Rhode Island is definitely it. Awesome. If you follow Brooke on Instagram, you've definitely seen her food posts. So they make me hungry all the time. Now, you, so you've lived in Rhode Island your whole life, right? Yes, I have. Awesome. And uh, what do you think attracts most people to Rhode Island like, out of all things? Yeah, so like I was saying, definitely I think some of the biggest thing, first off, the beaches. In the summertime, Newport is an absolutely fabulous place to be. It's an international hub. People joke sometimes I have a girlfriend from England who always says that that should be a state capital, which I think is hysterical, but it is gorgeous. Lots of boutique style shops, loads of history as well. I'm a history buff myself. So we have some beautiful historic homes there, lots of museums. So it's a great place to be. So I think that's a big draw in the summertime. In the winter, obviously, it gets a little bit chilly, but we have Providence. There's a lot of people on foot. There's shops downtown there as well. Great food scene. But Rhode Island, as small as it is, is very diverse. I mean, northern Rhode Island is much more rural. So if you're looking for like a wooded setting, that's a great place to be. But you can also be within a, you know, a beach setting in South County within 25 minutes. So it's really diverse. And I think there's something for everyone, which is what I love about the state particularly. And I think a lot of people that have never been to Rhode Island come. And it's a lot more than what they anticipated. Yeah, I remember I drove down a few weeks ago for the East Bay Young Professionals Networking event. And yeah, I drove through Bristol and I was like, I've never really seen Bristol like this before. And it was, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a lot of, a lot of nice areas. Definitely. But I guess changing gears a little bit into the market. So obviously it's been a crazy past several years, but throughout the course of this year, a lot has changed, at least from what I've seen in the news and obviously from doing it. But have you seen any changes going on in the market? Most definitely. So the market has softened quite a bit for buyers, which is welcomed news considering what the last few years have been for buyers, which was treacherous. Every you know house had bidding wars on it. And we're seeing that although the market is definitely still very much thriving and busy, for buyers it's softening. So what I mean by that is last year we may have seen 15 offers on a house and that same house this year is maybe seeing five. And in less competitive situations, sometimes if a house needs a bit more work, there may only be two or you may be the only offer in hand, which is very unique. So I'm seeing buyers that have been sitting things out for the last couple of years enter the market again, and there's opportunities for them, which is really, really nice. And for sellers, like I said, things are softening for buyers, which means that the market's starting to pivot. But nevertheless, we're still in a seller's market. Demand is still there on the buy side. So if you are a seller, it's still a wonderful time to sell. Awesome. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen, you know, at least from a slightly different standpoint, but I've seen the same where 
as competition is starting to slow down a little bit, but it's yeah. still competitive, like you're saying. So it makes for a you know, great time for really both sides. If you're a buyer, you have some more strength behind you to get you know your offer accepted with right. less on the table. If you're a seller, you have a, hopefully a couple offers to look at. So, Completely. Um, and I was going to say too, like if you are someone that needs to sell in order to buy, now is an opportunity for you to. Last year and the year before that, I saw a lot of folks that did want to sell. They knew they were sitting on quite a bit of equity, but they were waiting it out because they felt they had nowhere to go. They didn't have interim housing secured. They didn't have family they could stay with. And so now they have an opportunity where offers are being accepted contingent upon the sale of homes, which wasn't happening over the last couple of years. And if it was, it was very, very rare. So there was huge opportunities to be had, like you said, either on the sell side or the buy side. Especially interesting you just said that because I think we were talking before about how I had a client who just got their offer accepted contingent upon sale, but it was because the seller side needed time to find suitable housing. So I think with this inventory problem, and you can attest to it if this is the case, but we're starting to see that because there's not a lot of inventory, both sides need a little bit of flexibility depending on what you're trying to do. So that might actually help in a lot of cases. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if I were to be a buyer in today's market and I were to come to you, what tips would you give me? to be successful? It's a good question. So I think patience is still key in this market. The inventory has nearly doubled since last year, but nevertheless, it's a bit more limited than what a normal market, and I'll put that in quotes is, because (laughs) who really remembers what a normal market is? That's about four to five years out. But nevertheless, I think patience and waiting for that right home to crop up is definitely important. Getting in touch with a lender well in advance and a realtor as well, to get out there looking so that they can advise you on what you need in order to prepare for the process, get that ball rolling with finances, and then with a realtor just to equate you with your local market. Each market is vastly different, even in Rhode Island, it's hyper-localized. So town to town, that market is going to be a little different. So speaking to a realtor about your needs, your budget is really imperative for you to get ahead of the ball and to have a good, basically, buying process the whole way through. That's actually interesting you said that because I follow the same logic with all of my clients. So when someone comes to me like, and say, or more so in conversation outside of my job, yeah. one of my friends comes to me and says, well, I want to buy in the next you know, six or seven months. I'm like, that's great. But the time to start figuring out your financing and what you're looking to buy is now. Because right. a lot of the components that go into buying a house, like saving for a down payment, having a credit score in place to be able to buy. Take time. Mm -hmm. So like you're saying, the sooner you can get the ball rolling to figure out, okay, what do I need to save for? How much do I need to save? What should my credit score be? But really, what is my credit score now? The sooner you're able to put a concrete plan in place to execute your goals, which is buying a house. And often people, I'm sure you find, they're like, oh, I'm ready to buy a house now. Mentally, they're ready, but financially, they're not in the position to do it because they didn't set those that plan up before. Right. You hit it. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) So, yeah, I always try to stress that. And in the same token, we were talking before, too, about those buyers who enter the market waving their $500,000 pre-approval in their hand. And that's great. But do they know what that monthly payment is going to be like? You know, I often tell people what you what I can approve you for and what you're comfortable paying every month are two different things. Mm -hmm. And until you're able to figure out where your comfort level is, you don't even know what to tell you to look for right. because you don't know what that translates for in terms of price. Definitely. So working with you know the financing side to figure out what your budget can buy you in today's market yes. then allows you to figure out, all right, well, what are we working with in terms of a number? So Right. And I think that's so important. A lot of people don't have a budget in place just in general for their life. 
And prior to buying a home, if you've been renting, maybe you know generally how much things cost you a month. But prior to buying a home and taking on a mortgage that you are tethered to, you must sit down and really do out your finances. I feel like that's something that's super important so you can understand and the numbers make sense and you have extra money put aside. God forbid something goes in the house or whatever it may be. So I always sit down with all my buyers and we have a buyer consultation prior to even getting out there looking. I don't show homes prior to us sitting down so that we can have these candid conversations and I can learn about your unique situation, your needs. And if you want to divulge a little bit about your financial position so that I can advise you as best I can on what to anticipate with homeownership. It has its costs, has huge benefits, but it's also a responsibility that renting is not. So I think that that's super important that you sit down and have good educational dialogue with your lender and also with your realtor prior to getting out there and even beginning yeah. your search. That's such a great point. You know, something you just mentioned that is so often overmissed is this idea of having like not just responsibility, but making sure that you're setting yourself up in the best position to be responsible, Definitely. which is like you, like having those extra reserves set aside. What if the toilet breaks? You know, right. What if your, your roof leaks? You're going to have the funds set aside to do that. And from a lender's perspective, we don't necessarily need them. Right. So making sure you have those things in place, you know, by way of guidance through a realtor or a lender earlier gives you just the comfort level of knowing I'm going to own this home. I'm going to have some reserves set aside. Yes. I'll be comfortable not only to make the payment, but any other unforeseen expenses. So exactly. Definitely start early. We're here to think about the things that you may not think about at <laughs> first, right? I think that exactly. that's so important to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess in this whole same topic of like renting versus buying, because we talked a little bit about what the best strategy might be to set yourself up to buy. Right. But for someone who's debating renting and buying in today's market, do you have any advice for them to help navigate this decision? Yeah, so it's really important first off to think about where you're going to be in the next couple of years. You plan to stay in a location for a long period of time. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to buy a house, but they may be moving in a year. They don't know. Their job is one of those jobs that are transient and they may be moving. And if they're planning potentially to keep that property as a rental, then purchasing may still make sense for them. But for the most part, it's probably a better idea to continue renting just until you figure out where you're actually going to set roots. Um, so I think thinking about that is very important. Another thing is finances. For some people, finances are not an issue, so they don't need cost stability, but renting versus buying, buying offers you living cost stability in the sense that your mortgage is fixed every month and your interest is fixed every month. So I think that's really something that's important to think about, especially over the past couple of years where we've seen rents skyrocket. I've heard lots of horror stories in recent days unfortunately about rents going up anywhere from 200 to 500 dollars on a tenant and that's a big wake-up call so if you're looking to stabilize the cost i think purchasing a home could definitely be an avenue that could be pursued if you're renting right now though as well sometimes people don't like having to fix things so that might be a conversation we have to have too a condo may be a fabulous option they maintain a lot for you um i think that the other Thing is it's very unique situation to situation so I like to sit down you hear most realtors just hark on the fact that buying is everything over renting and I think in a lot of ways buying offers a lot of benefits but again you need to sit down and evaluate your unique situation it's a wealth building tool it's a tax benefit when you purchase a home as well you also don't have a landlord to answer to anymore you can do whatever you please the interior space if you want to want to switch that up so like i said there's a lot of benefits but it's a big decision and it's important to sit down with someone that you trust and hash out your situation yeah that's a very refreshing 
take on the question because not everyone poses it as a situation to situation. Like you said, a lot of not, you know, realtors and anyone really in the real estate space will say it's always a great time to buy, which in terms of the market it is, but as an individual, mm-hmm. everyone's needs and goals are different. Totally. And depending upon what those are, it might make the decision for you. So exactly. I think that's yeah, super important to understand. But also in respect to renting versus buying is one thought process that people don't typically take when comparing a rent payment to a mortgage payment is those extra benefits that Brooke mentioned, which make a mortgage payment actually much lower than the physical cash flow. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have someone who's paying $2,000 a month in rent mm-hmm. and they compare it to a $2,000 a month mortgage payment. Well, within that $2,000 a month, you know, you're including taxes, you're including mortgage interest, and you're including likely mortgage insurance, which those three, depending upon you know, your tax bracket for some of them, are tax deductible. So beyond just that $2,000, you're actually saving a portion of that monthly payment by virtue of tax deductions. And within that $2,000, you also have principal reduction. So you're paying back the loan balance you owe. So you're gaining equity in the property. So once you take out the tax deduction benefits and the principal reduction component out of the mortgage payment, that $2,000 a month mortgage payment might now walk and talk a lot more like a $1,500 a month rent payment. It's incredible. Because that $1,500 you pay in rent goes right out the door as opposed to you know, those buffers within the mortgage payment. So. Right. Understanding those benefits is key. And I mean, to hear that, like I said, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, really. it's, it's definitely something to keep in mind. But yeah. like Brooke said, it still might not make sense for you depending on what you're trying to do. So, right. But you need some guidance to help you point out the things you might not know. So I, I know we just talked a little bit about first-time homebuyers, but I know you work a lot with them specifically. Yeah. What do you like most about working with first-time homebuyers? Okay, so I absolutely love first-time homebuyers. It lights me up. I was a first-time homebuyer myself several years back and the process was extremely overwhelming. I really, I didn't know heads from tails. I didn't understand really the process whatsoever that I was going through. And I think that that's enlightened me a lot in my approach was first time buyers. So first of all, I'm very keen on education. I'm a former educator myself. So I hark on education. So I'm there to walk you through every step of the process. And that's actually one of my favorite parts is educating and answering questions. So I feel like first-time buyers sometimes feel like they're a nuisance because they come with so many questions, and I never want anyone to feel like that. So I'm there to answer all these questions. Like I said, I I actually really enjoy it. So it works out well for the both of us, the question asker and the question answerer. So that's one of my favorite things, like I said, is just going through, making sure they understand what they're, they're getting themselves into. And the best part of all, though, is the excitement that comes with that process. I mean, watching someone get the keys to their first home is I can't even explain to you the sensation I have. I'm smiling the whole way through the transaction, even when things get stressful, because the excitement when I speak to my first-time buyers is just through the roof. They can't wait to get in there. I love hearing what they're going to do to the space, how they're going to make it home, when they invite me back to see the space. It's really something special, and it's, I don't know, it really helps me get up every morning because I just absolutely love it. <laughs> that's really awesome. Do. And that's yeah. what it should be about. You know, we, like we always talk about, getting your finances in order and finding the right house. But really what's most important is enjoying the process because yes. it's such a great you know, experience and wealth generating tool for so many people. But it starts with having someone on their side who's willing to answer those questions and go the extra mile to make sure they're comfortable, which I'm sure you can attest is part of the whole team environment of real estate too. You know, often people think of, I'll get one piece from, so I'll get my pre-approval from here. I'll, I'll go to a realtor from there and I'll pick my attorney from over here which can work, but it's really best when you have a team around you. You know, you look at, look at sports 
and you don't see you know the offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, and head coach not talking. I mean, they're right. communicating, they're game planning together. Even though their jobs are somewhat different, they're all part of the same common goal. Yes, exactly. Having a great team on your side makes all the difference. I always say that. We all know each other. We work in sync, and we get it done. And everyone's smiling at the closing table. So that's the way we like to get that. And it's kind of cool knowing when you have you know, three or four people in your corner, right? Yes. <laughs> Looking out for your interests. And that's really what they're there for. So. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So in this whole first-time home buyer aura that we're talking about here, if I'm a first-time home buyer and I go to you as an agent, what questions should I ask you? Like, I don't, you know, if I'm someone who's new to buying, how do I figure out, you know, the process as far as what questions should I bring up? Yeah, so I think the first thing that I always like to do is talk about the cost of purchasing a home. Mm. So I would love for you to speak to that if you can after. Yeah. Because that's something that a lot of people come blind to the table with is they just think they're going to waltz in with no money and purchase a home, which I wish that was the case, but it's not. But there are actually are a lot of great situations where you can come with very little money and close on a home. They try to make the, the hurdles for first-time home buyers much lower than it is for other types of buyers, which you, I'm sure you can attest to. Yeah. So I think that that's the first thing that I always begin the conversation with. Second thing that I really like to explore, and a lot of people actually, believe it or not, don't really think too deeply on this prior to starting the home search, is your lifestyle. So, you know, what does your daily life look like? Where do you work? Do you have animals? Do you have kids? Do you like to be in an urban setting, suburban setting? And even when they've narrowed it down that much and I can help guide them in terms of what towns might have to offer them if they like these certain things, I really like to get out there and get looking at houses too because people come to the table and they're like, I like Cape Cod houses, I like colonials. And I said, well, let's walk through a colonial together and like feel that flow out and we'll get out there and they'll get in the house and they're like, actually, this doesn't make sense. Like the dog would have muddy feet and be tracking them through the whole house. And I'm like, exactly. So that's, that's kind of the fun part that happens a little later down the line. But I do like you to start daydreaming a little with me at the table about what your ideal home looks like. And then from there, I link you up with a lender to talk about the call. And that just gives us a better idea of what types of houses we can even look at. We get excited sometimes, start our search on Zillow at 600,000 and we should be looking at 300. Right. And so our realistic vision of what a home could be or should be for us definitely changes. So it's important that you speak to a lender early on. Like I said, I always recommend fairly early in the process to, to get that component done there. And then we just go through step-by-step step what the buying process is going to look like. I don't like hidden surprises, so I give you a, a definitely like a bird's eye overview as to not overwhelm. And we talk about what you know an offer looks like. And then from there, what happens after an offer with inspections, negotiating repairs, the appraisal process, closing, final walkthrough, all those kinds of things, I do it at the first consultation. First consultation is about 30 to 45 minutes, so it's actually quite easy, quick, and painless. But I want you to walk away that day feeling like, oh, I can handle this. I know what to expect, and Brooke's going to keep me in the loop the whole way through, and this is exciting and fun for me. I take all the stress. You take all the fun. That's what I always say. So, yeah. That's, that, that's yeah, what the that's, process looks like. That's great. I mean, especially just setting the expectation. There's a lot of, especially with first-time home buyers, even people who have done it you know, multiple times, just setting the expectation of, okay, what does the process look like? Right. Where do we go from here? Because if, you know, if I didn't know, if I wasn't in the industry and I were to buy a home, I mean, they don't teach you any of this stuff in school. Exactly. So you need someone in your corner, like you know, a real estate agent who could guide you through it. But setting those you know, expectations as far as the process is just huge. It alleviates those barriers of, all right, well, what's, what's going to happen next? You know, what if the appraisal doesn't come in and you know, how do we navigate through finding a house? So yes. yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and I think it's a good time too when you come to those buyer consultations 
with whatever realtor you meet with. You know, you get the general idea there, but you may have questions and never feel nervous to ask those questions. They're there to guide you through the process, but we do this day in and day out, right? So some things that you think of, you might feel like, oh, that's a silly question. No question is a silly question. So if you're a buyer and you have a list of questions, come with those. That's your time to ask those before the process begins and you can feel assured in what's ahead. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I'm going to use that catchphrase. Can I steal it? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so aside from, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but I want to circle back in more, a little bit more detail. What are the most important things to look for when you're buying a home? Aside from knowing what you want in terms of a layout and the area and, and whether or not you know, school system is important, but are there some other things you would harp on to say, all right, these are the most important categories we should look at when you look for your home? Yes. So I always, I always say, I guess I have a lot of catchphrases here, but I do always say, you look at the pretty stuff, I'll look at the ugly stuff. And what I mean by that is I love when buyers, they come in the door and they're swept up in imagining family dinner there and what does the kitchen counter look like? And that's fabulous. I want you to get lost in those things. I'm looking at, are there water stains up there? Do the sinks all turn on? Is the heating system young? What is the age of that? I always try and look for ages on all of those. I look through the disclosures for you. I'll look at the hot water tank, the plumbing down in the basement, electric. I always open those up and see if I can see any corrosion or whatnot, anything that before a home inspector even gets there to try to give you a heads up on, hey, these items might need repair. For some buyers, that's not a big to-do. If they're getting the home at the right price and the house needs a new hot water tank, they're totally fine with that. For new buyers who might not have the capital to put into the house or they're paying you know, at the top of their budget for this house, they might need something that's already all set. So I'm there to walk you through. Roof looks good, hot water tank looks good, heating system looks good. We'll look at the electrical to the best of my ability, plumbing to the best of my ability. And a lot of times we'll get to the inspections and the inspector will be going through and he'll say, oh, there's corrosion on this, this pipe here. And the buyer will say, oh yeah, like we already spotted that when we came through. And I love that. It just makes it a lot more painless. So less surprises on the inspection. I'm not a home inspector, so I'm not thoroughly looking at every little thing, but I do the best that I possibly can to try to mitigate surprises and also to give you an idea so you can make the best financial decision for yourself, whether a home that needs some work or even needs these bigger parts like a hot water tank makes sense for you prior to putting the offer in, getting your heart caught up in it to find out it needs all this and we can't negotiate during inspection period on those items. So. Sure. Yeah. Another catchphrase that I might have to steal from you. All right, there we go. <laughs> I like that. You look at, could you, what was it again? You look at the... You look at the pretty stuff, I'll, I'll look, look at the ugly stuff. stuff. That's a good one. Brooke Bucket, put that on a t-shirt. But so in, like, in respect to inspections, I mean, that's like a huge topic of conversation right now. How are you typically handling those, like in today's offers with your buyers? Are you seeing some more flexibility or what are you seeing? Yeah, so I had a special little way of dealing with these throughout the last couple of years which i will not share here but it actually worked out very well for my buyers i never had a buyer that had to waive inspections that didn't want to that's always your decision how you want to handle inspections like i said i'm here to educate you and if you want to ask me what my advice would be i'm more than happy to share that with you i'm always going to tell you what your best chance of getting an offer accepted which route to pursue that i think would give you the best odds of getting that offer accepted but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your offer and it's what you are comfortable with. So always educate through the process of doing like a traditional home inspection or doing a home inspection for informational purposes only or even waiving a home inspection. There's some people that feel comfortable enough with that. And that's great if you're comfortable with that. But I think the market is softening, like I said, for buyers. 
And with that means that you might not need to waive the home inspection anymore to get that offer accepted because there's not 15 other offers. There's two. And maybe if you offer a little more on the money or put a greater deposit down or come in stronger on another terms like the appraisal terms, they may be willing to overlook that inspection ask that you're asking for that inspection contingency. So like I said, market softening, use that to your advantage buyers in that sense for sure. Great. I think it's great to see that that's becoming more common in, you know, in practice, at least. It seems yeah. like you said you've done it throughout, which is awesome that you've been able to protect your buyers like that. Definitely. But it's it's definitely reassuring to hear that there's some, some more reprieve finally coming. So Right. It makes me feel so much better. I like when someone walks them through, especially my first time home buyers. Home inspection's a really nice time to get to know your house beyond looking for problems. They can let you know where the water shut off is and how to turn off, like even like uh, your circuit breakers and all those kinds of things. The home inspector is there to walk you through. He's there for your benefit. So it's a good time to ask questions about your house, things you may not know. You know, get up there in the attic with him and he can point things out. That's when you really get to know your home in depth prior to the purchase. So if you can get a home inspection and you want one, I always recommend that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Brooke's very good at looking at the nitty gritty, but these home inspectors, they pick it apart. Exactly. Uh, they go in every little nook and cranny. So yeah, definitely yes. valuable. Well, Brooke, I want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your insight into Rhode Island housing and really just talking overall about the process for first-time homebuyers, things to look out for, and things to be prepared for to start the process. If you want to learn more about Brooke Bucket, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Brooke Bucket Real Estate or on her website at brookebucketrealestate.com. If you want to learn more about me, my Instagram handle is Finance with Team Richards. I'm on Facebook as Ryan Richards. I know it's a lot to remember, but those are the two ones. I'm Ryan Richards of North Point Mortgage, and thanks for watching. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Glad to have you. (laughs)